0: This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders, with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. Welcome back to another episode of the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast. If you're watching the video, obviously, we are not in the studio. Where are we? We are in Oklahoma City, obviously in Oklahoma, for energy tech nights. Oklahoma City sitting here with my buddy Zach Copland from forecast. Thanks for having me. We've known each other for a long time, but I actually don't know. I know you guys do, but I don't know your backstory. I don't know how you got to where you're at. And so I am actually excited to sit out and actually like learn more about you outside of just like you've been to the events. We've we've talked all the time. You guys are getting involved in fuse like, but I don't know anything else
1: about you. Okay.
0: Fair so enough. let's uh, really quickly let's start off with like what is like what is forecast? What's the elevator pitch? And then let's uh, let's have your buy story.
1: We call forecast the oil and gas evaluation platform. That's what it's for. It's for evaluating oil and gas transactions, buy side, sell side, accurately, quickly. You know
0: all the so specifically up. for like A and D teams. This is not like this is not for people who are just not people who are maybe just like buying PDP once and then just operating that for the life of the asset. <sighs>
1: Types of users that our clients currently finance bros, landmen, reservoir engineers, Bitcoin mining bros, geologists. So it's kind of a range. If you evaluate transactions and make decisions on transactions, those are the people that it's for. Bankers.
0: So is the idea there, I mean, it's a pretty tedious process to be able to go through and actually analyze all these assets. A lot of times you don't even, you don't even have all the data for these. And like what I've what I've experienced through for people who've followed us for a long time, I, I came into the industry on the data management side, right? So building a startup that was in the cloud for production data and hydrocarbon accounting and a bunch of other things, right? And what I found as we were diving into their data was that you they would you very clearly they would make an acquisition and it was just like very, very limited amounts of information. And right. so what I learned through multiple operators. I don't know if this is standard practice, but this is like my experience, was that they would spot check not just like the data, but like the assets as a whole mm-hmm. and evaluate due to at the time, like you guys didn't exist, the other people in the space didn't exist. And they would really just evaluate about 10 to 20% of a package. Yeah. And they would say, this looks good, so we're going to go in and assume everything else is kind of probably in line with this. yeah, That could be the worst 10, 20%, like they think be the best 10, 20%. It could be middle of the road. You don't really know. Mm-hmm. And just because it's such, or was, such a time-consuming process to be able to actually evaluate large, I mean, we're talking like thousands and thousands of wells, maybe spread out across different areas. Like, that's a huge, huge undertaking.
1: We're going to do that tonight. Energy yeah? Tech you going to do it live? We're going to do many thousands of wells. Oh, man. I'm so excited. Um, so, so what is your background? Do you come from the A&D side? Prior to oil and gas, I was working for banks here okay. in Oklahoma City. Uh, I worked for a bank called Bank 7 that does some niche lending in oil and gas space, or has in the past at least. And then after a career in banking, three or four years of that, I was approached by a guy who wanted me to help him start up a new mineral non-op type of company. And that started in 2017, beginning of 2017. So we were... Chasing our favorite EOG around Anadarko, mostly McLean County, mm-hmm. uh, buying leases, figuring it out, flipping them, keeping pieces, participating with little pieces in wells, obtaining working interest data. And then as we became more technologically and technically skilled and hired you know, engineers and geologists, started buying minerals. Once you have advantage of data, it's a big advantage. So.
0: So what was the, like? What was the so? Did this idea for forecast kind of come out of that, married with like the banking knowledge of? I'm assuming you guys probably back in the day, all the banks used PhD wind,
1: right? Right? Yeah. So what was the opportunity there? So this kind of started in 2020. Um, the first venture was fun until it wasn't. You know, EOG stopped drilling, and then we didn't have any work. So I fired myself from the first startup, and then went to find a new business partner, which it did. Doug. Thank you for that. And we started Blue Bison in January of twenty twenty. There was no concept of software at the time. We were intending to use programs like PhD Win to provide evaluation services for other people. And that was kind of the early revenue model.
0: Mm-hmm. There
1: was no software concept at the it's time. Just
0: purely service at the time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that went terribly because that was January twenty seventh of twenty twenty. So there was Oh yeah no work oh yeah it was a good idea on january 27th and then one or when two to
0: about later. march it was not a good idea it anymore.
1: was a terrible idea <laughs> it was a good idea it just didn't have any revenue yeah. potential yeah there was nobody to do any work for nobody was evaluating deals there were no deals especially in april when you know things got weird and oil went negative mm-hmm. then everybody just locked up and then my partner doug called me and asked what the hell are we going to do it's like I don't know, but we've been building this tool for evaluating deals, and it looks really interesting. It kind of looks like I oh don't know. Can I say Zillow for Minerals? Because it kind of looked like that. It had dots on a map for wells and PV10 as a label, and that kind of looked like a product of that type. So it's like, give me a couple weeks, and I'm going to show it to some smart people who have actually done this before, and let's see what they say. I think that there's value in it. I've never sold software, so it's hard to know, but I've used a lot of software. So let's just go ask some people. So got a meeting with a friend who runs a software company in oil and gas, and he said a lot of very nice, interesting, valuable sounding things. And showed it to a reservoir engineer firm here in town. And they said some really interesting things. The Founder of the company, he was sitting there when I walked in, I got to the demo late because we get there early and we're sitting in the conference room and this is the first day that we've ever shown anyone the software, when it was a little tiny baby. And we get there and Sergio, who was a our developer at the time, he's like, I can't log in because my screen's locked back at the office. He was using VPN yeah. to go back into his machine. It's like, how do I fix this? We need to do this demo. Like, well, you just need to go back to the office and touch the mouse. So I got in my car and went as, quickly and safely as possible back to the office. Touch the mouse on the phone with him. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Okay, click, go back. So I show up at the first demo about 20 minutes late and it was already going, but people in the conference room were sitting there and one of them was just looking up at it like this, like scratching his head. And I was going to a banking interview to accept a job on that Friday. And we're doing this on Tuesday. I've already arranged to go back into banking because Things aren't looking very good. Yeah. We need to have a job. So that meeting went very well. Walked outside and looked at Doug and said, So that was pretty good. What are we gonna do? So is that, is that what forecast became or was this like an earlier earlier version kind of first double? That was forecast. We didn't call it forecast then. Yeah. That was a couple months later when we started thinking we needed a clever name. Mm-hmm. I think it was called PDP module then. Forecast is much better. Forecast is much, <laughs> much, much more it's clever. It's much more memorable, much yeah. more brandable. Yeah, forecast is clever, I've been told. And I made it up. So,
0: so what was like the what was like that initial feedback? The meeting went well. You so said they're kind of like
1: just wide-eyed. I've experienced that myself kind of early on with our companies. He said a phrase that made me literally like sink back into my seat and take the first deep breath of months. My partner Doug, he's very straightforward, very business sales focus like let's get to the point is this worth something and he asked him i know you say you like it you think it looks good but what do you think about it is it worth something what do you think and the guy said i love it i think every mineral company should use this and i was like "Cool. all right well now we have something okay so what do you want to pay for it? (laughs) what are we going to do now (laughs) are we a software company and so that's what happened. Walked outside that office, same day, two meetings. And I looked at Doug and it's like, Are we going to be a software company? I guess. Yeah, we're going to figure it out. Go get me a 30 pack Miller Lite, bring it to the office, and we'll start talking about how to do this. Like, All right. Are you super sure? Because I'm going to take a job on Friday. So I need to be really confident that we're going to do this 100%. Yeah cancel your interview and go get me the 30 pack. Cause we need to start talking about it. <laughs> All right. So I went and got the 30 pack and went to his office and then we started talking
0: So then what was like the, what was like the next big milestone for you guys? So you, you go back, you're like, shit, we're doing, we're doing software.
1: Probably actually selling it the first yeah. license. And it was probably two in the first six months. So we probably had two clients for too long, and then you sell two, and then it feels good. People mm-hmm. will give you money for this. Okay, so it's officially worth something. But we're spending a lot more money than we're making right now, so we need to sell more. And that was very slow in the beginning. Well, what were the what were the challenges there? Was it
0: was it bandwidth constrained of just like you, for one, you didn't have the resources to be able to, so you're, right. so you mean you're selling it, but then also like what comes along with that is like, you know, onboarding, it comes with like the support of like people, certain need things. Oh, yeah. There's like the feedback of, Hey, we could really use, you know, this. And then now you guys are having to like develop
1: some more things. Like there was all of that. Yeah. And I think just from a simple comparison, it was like, Being the new kid in school, no one knows who you are. No one trusts you. No one knows who you are. Why are they going to give you thousands of dollars for something that has never existed before and change the way that they've been doing things, even if it's similar workflow to something that has not been proven out at all? Why am I going to give you five or ten or fifteen thousand dollars a year for a license when I already use stuff that I like? and yours is brand new, and I don't even know you.
0: So let's talk about like what, what was bef- before Forecast came along. Walk me through this process, other softwares, you know.
1: Yeah, that. what we're doing was similar to what a lot of people are still doing today and what our clients used to do. Pull data from somewhere, whether it's drilling info, I have a hard time calling them, embarrassed, but drilling info or IHS or whatever public data source, we're dealing with mostly public data, so pull data from a public data source into your database, and then use some other type of tool to forecast the wells and evaluate production. And this is just a convoluted process of spreadsheets, multiple tools, multiple data sources, nothing really appeared to be all in one. Mm -hmm. So that's what we were doing. It was slow. It worked. It was effective, you know. They're all good tools and mostly good data sources also, but it wasn't fast. And it just, it was frustrating asking over and over, how much can we pay over here? How much is this worth? How much is this worth? What do I need to do for this? Just wanted something that was simple to use, but did the job and didn't have to go connect a bunch of different pieces together, just to do the workflow and get the answer.
0: What's the what's the average time frame doing it the old school way versus?
1: Well, we consistently benchmark and say 20X what the old school way is. I mean, I don't know how many X's now. Tonight, you'll see us do about 20,000 wells in three minutes and 14 seconds. So that's really fast.
0: <laughs> I haven't actually, so I haven't actually seen the platform yet. So I'm excited to see it for one. Um, to do it that quickly, I'm imagining. I mean, you're, you're talking about simplicity, so I'm thinking about usability, user interface, yeah. super easy and intuitive to use. Did you guys right. put much emphasis on that early on, or was that something that just kind of like
1: came along? Yeah, definitely. Simplicity was part of the initial goal for sure. It can't be oversimplified to the point of where it's one button click and you can't edit things and change things if the software hasn't done what you perceive to be a good job on a well or building a decline. So we have to keep it as simple as possible, but also give people the ability to change and modify things as needed and find a balance between those. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've been doing. I think historically, I mean, I haven't really been as
0: in the weeds with, with these kinds of things the past few years, but a few years ago I was, um, we were, in, we'd started a company. It's pretty stealthy. Nobody really knows about this, but I was involved in building part of our platform when we did a ton of decline curves, mm. right? And it seemed at the time also just with like current events that were happening around that time that there's just like this systemic issue of how people generate uh, type curves to where they're just biased towards being overly optimistic. All right how how is that still is that still the case how are you
1: guys like thinking about that we consistently think about being conservative and forecasting wells i mean that's that's part of the goal as a whole also is create a workflow that if it's going to be wrong it needs to be wrong in the conservative direction because people are out there spending their real money Mm -hmm. and spending millions of dollars per transaction so if we're going to be wrong, we want to be wrong in the direction of conservatism. Yeah, And it gives users the ability to create those conservative scenarios themselves. It's not magic, right? It's just a bunch of buttons and algorithms. And it's a machine that does what it's supposed to do as long as you create the inputs that you prefer. Mm-hmm. So if I have a B factor and I let it go up to 1.9, I'm probably not going to be as conservative as Sticking 1.0 as the max range and not allowing it to forecast beyond that.
0: So one of my favorite questions to ask. is just like under the understand like psychology, right? Because yeah. a lot of times you can find or create some kind of technology. Uh, I just had a conversation with a, with a group of C the other day. And I asked him, I was like, why didn't you, like, why didn't you guys just use this for yourself, start your own EMPs, use it as a massive competitive advantage Mm -hmm. versus starting the software company? So I wanna understand like, like, how do you guys think of it? Maybe there's like no desire, right? That could be it. So just like, how do you, like, how do you
1: think about that? Especially when you've done it before. Yeah. But that requires a lot of money. Yeah. And no one's just like walked up to us and said, hey, here's a bunch of money and you have this tool Please go deploy our money. Barrier to entry for software is a lot lower. Yeah, and software multiples are worth a lot more than oil and gas multiples if you do it the right way. And I have to remind myself of that all the time. Like even as the company grows and they're actually starting to generate revenue and be profitable, you want to go buy some minerals? Yeah. How much are minerals typically worth? Less than software. Stick to the software.
0: Yeah. Hey, that's a good. <laughs> you're not wrong.
1: In theory, as long as all things equal and you do what you're supposed to do, software multiples are four or five times higher than energy multiples. Mm-hmm. Typically.
0: So where, how would you describe like where you guys are as, uh, as a company today?
1: Uh, beyond finally getting traction, profitability, Yeah, you know, less stressed because of that different <laughs> stress. But when
0: you, the the stress never goes away. It just grows up, graduates, become grown up problems.
1: I'm okay with that though. Yeah. Thinking about making payroll every two weeks and actually really being concerned about that is that gets very old. Oh yeah. Very old. It wears on you very quickly. It wears on everybody, you know, it wears on your investors. It wears on your spouse. It wears on everybody that's involved. It's like, are we going to make payroll two weeks? Am I going to get paid? I hope so. Well, that's, that's not a good answer. Did that?
0: did that yeah. <laughs> so long. Longer than I care to admit. I did it for so long. Uh, and is, I a lot children, of people can't live that you know? way. I mean, it's you just have to become so comfortable with being uncomfortable. There's
1: like no other way around that. A lot. Yeah, you learn a lot about yourself. Yeah. You learn a lot of patience. Yeah. I have two young children, so, you know. There wasn't an option to fail.
0: So I I hear from people, so I'll never tell anybody that you should go and be an entrepreneur. It has to be one of those things that just like comes to you and you know it's like what you need to do in life. Like for me, that's just it. And so, but one of the things I hear all the time of people who are like, oh, the reason I'm not an entrepreneur is because I have young kids and it's my responsibility to provide for them. The way that I think about that question is that it's my responsibility to set an example Mm. for my kids that because this is how I'm wired, that I can go out and do it and show them what is possible in life, right? Doesn't mean that's a universal lesson for everybody and like Mm -hmm. their own path, but that's the way that I've always thought about it. Because people ask me like, you've got kids, like, how do you think about this? And I'm like, I'm just showing them you can do anything that you set your mind to. And I want to be that example. And they've been a part of my work. They've come to the office. They come to the events. Like they see it. Dad's job, while can be wildly stressful at times, is also fun. You know, I don't have to go and do the suit and tie, desk job, Mm -hmm. nine to five, 30 years, gold watch
1: thing you know I love being able to bring my kids into the office like you're saying if I can't find a summer camp for my kids I mean the flexibility of this kind of thing is one of the perks you know there are downside risks too, failure being one but it's great I mean if you have the risk profile and tolerance for it you're not scared. If you're scared, you should definitely not do it. No, just don't. So outside of like
0: just normal startup challenges and struggles and stuff, but in terms of like going to the market, has there been any challenges in terms of like changing behavior or like cultural changes? Like what's what's been like, if anything, is there anything that's outside of just the normal startup stuff?
1: Um cultural changes well it probably need to be some cultural changes and me not just shit posting all the time but that's what works for some reason we talked about that last night and Mm -hmm. chuck touched on it when he was talking with trolling alliance yesterday the cultural change isn't so much that the company is changing its core values the core values are the same I mean, it's effectively two people, right? So the company is two people right now. So it's like the core values of the company are the core values of the two people, Andrew and myself that are running the company. But there's a lot of growing up and maturity and in the beginning we thought that we were really smart and really cool and this software is cool and everyone should buy it, why aren't they buying it? Why aren't they buying it? It's really good, it's really cool. Everyone says cool, I hate cool. I don't like cool anymore. I've heard someone say this software is cool like 547 times probably. Cool doesn't sell anything. Mm-hmm. Value sells itself. So like coming to understand that, learning how to be a salesperson without being a cheesy salesperson and looking like uh, you. A salesperson, salesperson
0: is being a guide. Yeah. They have a problem. You're coming in and saying it. Hey, I'm, I'm listening to all your problems right. and guiding them to like what the solutions are. It's never, yeah, yeah there's always like this stigma about like what, what sales is <laughs> or, or should be. Uh, and it's absolutely essential to any
1: business. You don't have sales, you don't have a business. In the beginning, I would, what I call, shove the value proposition down people's throat. Here's what it's going to do for you. It's going to save you this time. It's going to save you this money. It's going to be great. Look how fast it is. Look how good it is. It's accurate. We can statistically prove it's accurate. How many deals do you do a month? Blah, blah, blah. Let's quantify those value propositions and ROIs in a number. Well, doesn't that sound like a good number? Sounds like a good number to me, but they haven't said anything yet. I'm just telling them why it's good for them. And that is not the way. Mm -hmm. That's the opposite of what works.
0: It's like the same way, like going into, I don't know, going into the mall and, and looking at clothes and then somebody being like, this is the outfit that you need. And I should like, wait like a second, this. you haven't asked me a single question yeah. about what I even like or what I'm yeah. looking for or
1: anything else. So I do a lot of listening now. We don't have... Sales is listening. Yeah. We don't have canned demos. When we get on a demo now to show it to somebody, what do you want to see? That's usually my first question. This isn't canned. You tell me what you want to see. And I will help you see it and we'll walk through it together and see if we can find the value. And if we do, we do awesome. If we don't, that's okay.
0: That's a major little nugget there. So for like any other founders that are listening, if you go into every single demo canned, it's the exact same thing. Start to finish. You got a script, you walk through it they try to butt in and you're like, ah, let me finish. Cause I've seen this a thousand times. You're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. The way you do a demo is to, for one, understand. I even like to do what I call a discovery calls before a demo. Or yeah. even, it, it, depends, it depends on the situation or just in the beginning of the call, to understand what are the challenges and then hit those. You mm-hmm. know, I can't tell you how many times I've been demoed for something and the person just goes on this tangent about something. Like we, Even if we do that, I tell them exactly what I'm looking for. Then they start demoing things that I have no desire. Yeah. It's not a pain point for me. So I got to the point where I stop people and I say, listen, this is not applicable to me whatsoever. Let's go back to the stuff that we've already discussed. Yeah.
1: I was doing discovery calls a lot in the beginning, but it seems, I don't know, at least in this niche of what I'm doing, what we're doing as the team, getting two meetings with a decision maker is hard. hard. Yeah. So we kind of pre-qualify. At this point, all leads are inbound. Everything's pre-qualified because we make social media posts. We put the link for a demo underneath that. So you've seen it. You know what it is. You know what you're looking for already. And then have a little Calendly link that says, what are you looking for in the demo? Very brief description. Yeah. Not force them into answering questions that they don't want to. Like, how much money are you going to spend this year? Put that in at the very beginning. See
0: what your your conversions are. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You want me to tell you about my financial situation? I don't even know you. So take some of that out. Ask what do you want to see? You want to see? I don't even ask like beyond that question anything in detail. What do you want to see? And they'll tell you. And if they don't, we can make something up on the fly. I say that to people too. Like if you don't know what you want to see, I can make something up. I do it all the time. Show you what I. Here's what
0: we've done with Acme operating. Here's a situation that they were going through here's the problem, here's how we were able to kind of plug some things in, and here's kind of the result.
1: I mean, I like doing the show and tell part. I like showing people what I think is cool about forecasts. And sometimes that is effective and preferred for people. They want to see you drive it really hard and push it to the max. And sometimes I do that, but if they want to see something specific, I'm not like, Go off into the Haynesville instead of the Bakken. Did
0: you have any issues like, especially with you like building this in the beginning of just like, you want to (laughs) showcase. It's like you resist the temptation of showcasing every single cool feature that you guys had. You're like, oh, but wait, I built this new bell and whistle. It took me four weeks to do. Check it out. And we're like, yeah, 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 whatever. (laughs) In the beginning. You see that with, you see that with like, The technical people who, oh, yeah. who present like, we've, we've even had that at Energy Tech Night <laughs> where you get one of the tech guys up there to do the demo and it's just feature after feature after feature after feature and you're like, you leave it at the end and people are like, I have no clue what they do. You there was just, no storytelling, <laughs> there was no like cohesive, there was no uh, like context as to like, what are we even like looking at and, and, and what's, the, what's the problem that we're solving for here?
1: The difference between me demoing forecasts for people and my partner, Andrew, who's a geophysicist and is the developer, is vast. And he will tell you that himself. It's interesting to see. Every now and then he's like, I want to do a demo. I'm like, okay, do one. Get some practice. You should do it anyways. Mm-hmm. If he's demoing for technical people, other geophysicists, petroleum engineers, reservoir engineers, they love that. Going into yeah. the weeds and seeing all the features and everything. But if we're doing it for a landman or Mm -hmm. finance guy, they don't necessarily want to see all those features. And that's been interesting, I'm sure, for Andrew as we've gone through this process, just watching how it goes and what's effective and what's not. I did that so much in the beginning. Call it show and tell. Mm -hmm. Show and tell doesn't work. It's not what they want. They want whatever it is that they want, and we don't know what that is yet, and we need to figure it out together. Show and tell is terrible. Yeah, that's the thing that I really struggled with in the beginning. I wanted to show people my cool toy. Look at my new toy! <laughs> it's shiny. It's cool. Don't you want to see what I think's cool about it? No, actually, no. I just want you to evaluate PDP on these wells, and that's okay. <laughs> it was, it was like. Being turned down for a date in a very nice way three or four hundred times. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I think you're really cute and you have a nice personality. I gotta go though. Yeah. I might call you later.
0: <laughs> uh, it's just like dating. It's just like dating. But, like, <laughs> but you
1: don't like my baby? You think my baby's ugly? <laughs> baby's really cute. <laughs> Look at its bonnet.
0: Did you guys uh, raise any money?
1: Uh, not really. I mean, my partner Doug has been like the angel investor since the beginning. Yeah, we put together some convertible notes and sold a few of them, like seventy five. You guys worth. just gonna kind of operate within cash flow, or do a round, or finally been able to operate within cash flow over the last like, six months, yeah. seven, eight months.
0: Yeah, that's good. What's the what's the what's the north star? Like, what do what is what does forecast want to be when it grows up?
1: That's a good question. That's the one that I usually don't know the answer to. And when I say an answer, it's usually something like, I just want the company to grow. I want the software to be as good as we can possibly make it. It's not finished. Maybe it will never be finished. Software's never finished. That's the that's the secret. Once you can wrap your head around that, then you can find some peace. I was saying this to Richard Ball, geologist in Houston. Hi, Richard. I hope you're watching this. I'm going to send it to you either way. Love you. And... I was answering that question. He asked me that same question. We went to a concert at Red Rocks. We saw whiskey Myers during our He's It's like, do we want to go to a happy hour or do we want to go to Red Rocks? we're going to go to Red Rocks. And he asked me that question. I want to go. I I keep, see videos of it all the time. I'm like, I have have to go. go. You have to go one time. Yeah. It's just a a book of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk about that all day, (laughs) but Richard asked me that question. Like what, almost exactly the way you did what do you want to be when you grow up what do you want to be when forecast grows up it's like i just want to grow it it's like i love that that's the mark zuckerberg answer for early facebook days mm-hmm. oh finally something i can understand like cuz that's the truth i want it to grow with growth you know hypothetically you should be more profitable and make some money along the way and we're not doing this for fun it is fun but we all have kids and wives and responsibility mm-hmm so we're not doing it for fun we're doing it to provide value to our clients and hopefully to ourselves through that process so i don't know what i want to be when i grow up i still don't know i don't know what, i know what forecast what i want forecast to look like there's a whole roadmap of super cool features and useful widgets and tools that andrew's adding consistently and it will continue evolving but it's the nature of the game. Also don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. So that balance is Just keep
0: keep it. listening to clients, man. And as as long as you're constantly focused on making them heavy and not just building the next yeah. cool widget that uh you think is the most amazing thing in the world. I mean that's that's yeah, just listening, I think is, is one mm-hmm. of the most valuable skills from sales, from product development to customer support to Yeah, I think that's what differentiates those who are you know failures successes and like wild successes, you know, it's just yeah. the the ability to listen to be able to implement
1: And we don't think feedback. that we're the best right like you're saying we ask our clients all the time yeah. What do you like? What are you not liking? We'll take all the critical feedback we can get
0: Absolutely, man. This has been fun.
1: I enjoyed it. I'm surprised. Nice. I'm surprised it took
0: us this long to do it You know I had to come up to Oklahoma City to, to finally get you. The podcast. I'm glad you're
1: here. <laughs> It's not as bad as some people say. No, Oklahoma City's pretty nice. good actually. We did, did a little walk through the city
0: earlier. It's nice. It's a lot of uh cool old school, mid century modern architecture that I'm digging. Yeah. The the venue could be mm. the best venue that we've had so far, potentially. We'll wait to see tonight. So I'll let you guys know if it is the best venue, but we are rolling deep on registrations coming into the night. Good. So this is, uh, outside of the, the one energy tech night right after COVID, everybody was like, you know, cooped up. Um, that one was just a total outlier. Uh, but I think on an average basis, uh, this could be the biggest energy
1: tech night that we've had. I hope so. I mean, it's fun. These are fun events. Yeah. They're informative. People get to learn something if they want to. If not, they can go to the bar. Yeah. And in this case, the bar is literally connected to the theater and they own it. So, I love Tower.
0: Let's, uh, yeah, let's get out of here and uh, let's head over to the theater. Let's do it. Also, guys. If you like the episode, uh, take two seconds. uh, Like, subscribe, share with all your friends, and we'll catch you guys on the next one.